Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 today. Uh, today might be a little bit different. It might be a little bit more preachy. Um, so let's, uh, let's pray and let's get into the Word of God. Father, thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you for your Word which never returns void. Thank you that your Word is alive and filled with power, sharper than any two-edged sword. We know that your Word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So may our faith rise up strong as we hear the Word taught or preached. And we thank you for the demonstration of your Word in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. I want to preach a message to you this morning called, Never Again. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man... Uh, was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man of whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the falls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah, everyone say, but Noah. But Noah. So what did Noah find? Well... Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. First of all, I want to say to you that righteousness will always attract God's favor. Righteousness will always attract the favor of God. Then it goes on to talk about the generations of Noah in verse 9, that he was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. The earth, in verse 11, was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And notice verse 14, he tells him to make an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within, and pitch with, without the pitch. And so we see that God gave Noah specific instructions, okay? Now there's a new movie out called Noah. Brendan and I saw it the other night. A lot of it is, it, is it unscriptural. Um, and so to get the real account of Noah, you have to look at the Bible. Amen. The B-I-B-L-E. The graphics were great and some of the story was right. But you know, Hollywood and their creativity sometimes gets it off. Fallen angels did not get restored. Fallen angels did not help build the ark. And fallen angels were not rock people. Amen. And the difficulty I have with that is some people that have never been to church may just buy into that. And then read the real story about Noah and say, well, that's not what the movie says. So it's not what the movie says, it's what God says. <laughs> Amen. All right. Now notice in verse 22, it says, Thus did Noah, he was a doer of the word, according to all that God commanded him to do, so did he. So did you know that the word of God teaches us that we will never experience storms? It doesn't teach us that. It doesn't teach us that we'll never go through a difficult time. But the bottom line is this. If you're in the right place with your faith when the storm hits, if you're in the right place with your mind when the problem rises, you will survive, and not only survive, you will thrive. Just like never before. As a matter of fact, this morning, it's not about the storm or the flood. It's really about the ark. 
And I believe it's time for us to introduce the world that is drowning in doubt and unbelief and humanism and all other kinds of isms. I believe that we are to introduce them to the real ark. And when I'm talking about the real ark, I'm not talking about Christ the hippie on the cross. And I'm not talking about Christ the feel-good therapist. Or Christ the revolutionary ideologue. But when I'm talking about the ark, I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. Say it with me, Christ is our ark. And I've discovered this, that my habitation will determine my destination in life. Where you dwell, who you hang out with, your habitation will determine your destination in life. I like what David said. David said, I'm going to lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. He says, my help comes from the Lord which made heaven and earth. We exhorted a couple weeks ago about he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Christ is our ark. Amen. Thank God you have an ark. Thank God we have an ark. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The word abide simply means to dwell. When you abide, you're living in a place. Amen. Everyone say, I'm in. Glory to God. Are you in? You know something, if you're in Christ, not just going to church, but abiding in Christ, not just singing a few songs, but abiding in Christ, not just paying your tithes, but abiding in Christ, not just experience the shakes, quakes and the banks, but abiding in Christ. When the floor flood hits and the storm comes, you will be elevated to a higher place. Glory to God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in. I'm all in. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, we're in. You see, I'm baptized with Christ in Romans. I'm crucified with Christ in Galatians. I'm seated with Christ in Ephesians. Hallelujah. And in the book of Revelation, we find us ruling and reigning in Christ Jesus when he turns for his church. Amen. Are you in? See, it's one thing to be in Christ, one thing to be a Christian, but it's another thing to be all the way in, all the way committed. Amen? I think one of our Super Bowl champion teams recently had this phrase, I'm in. And their fans would say and chant, I'm in, I'm in. How many of you are in? Well, that's most of you. Amen. Now, before that Adam or or, uh, Noah broke new ground, he had to build an ark. He had to go through a flood. Has anyone ever been through a flood? How about a storm in the last two years? How many of you have been through two hurricane proportion storms in the last couple of years? Raise both hands. How many of you have been so many, through so many you've lost count? Raise two hands and a foot. 
But if you've been so through so many that if I Google your name, the National Hurricane Weather Center shows up, and your pictures there, raise both hands and both feet. You've been through some things. But if you're still alive, I look out here today and I see that you're still breathing. If you're still alive, you're still standing, you're still praising, still believing, still going from glory to glory. Come on, give him glory. Give him glory. See, sometimes we've got to go through to get to. The reason some of us go through some things because we're going to get to some things where, in places we've never been before. Amen. Didn't Joseph have to go into the pit? Amen. He went through the pit to get to the palace. Israel went through the wilderness to get to the promised land. Paul went through the storm to get to Rome. But did Joseph stay in the pit? Did Daniel stay in the lion's den? Did Jonah stay in the well? Did Jesus stay in the tomb? Well, we're not staying in it either. Glory to God. Say it with me. I'm coming out. I'm going somewhere. I'm just going through to get to. Because I'm about to receive something that I've never received before. Somebody shout amen. Glory to God. See, some of us shouldn't even be here right now. Some of us should be in the hospital. Others of you should have been in prison. Many of us should have been six foot under by now. But thank God I see we're not drunk this morning. We're not high on drugs this morning. We're not in the hospital. We're not in prison. We're not six foot under because we are more than more than conquerors. Come on, somebody. Because we serve a great big God, Jehovah God. Amen. Now look at Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. Let's notice this today. And God remembered Noah. Thank God this test came, the flood came, but God remembers his people. And every living thing. And all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made, that must have been quite an ark. Think about all those animals. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark, now notice this in verse 4, then the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. On the mountains of Ararat. When the flood receded, now stay in verse 4, when the flood receded, notice where it rested. It rested not in the valley, but it rested on top of the mountain. On top of the mountain means that the ark went from a very low place to a very high place. And sometimes when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, it seems like we'll never make it out of the valley to the mountain. But there is resurrection power available for you and for me right in the midst of the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid because I know that my God is El Elyim, the Most High God, and He can take me from the low place to the high place. 
And that's exactly what happened to Noah. You see, the Bible indeed does say that God has made you the head and not the tail. God has made you and I in this year of the greater, in this year of greater presence, in this year of greater glory. He has made you for great things. Your flood season, glory to God, is over. Notice with me in verse 5. And the waters decrease continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he made, and then he sent out what? Then he sent out a raven. We're going to talk about ravens for a moment. Which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself, and he waited. Everyone say he waited. How many of you know that there's value in waiting on God? You see, sometimes we can get out of the ark too quick and try to walk the mountain on our own. But I want you to notice that something that Noah did, he waited. And he waited another seven days, the number of perfection. And again, he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening. And behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. I want to preach just for a while this morning to you on this subject. It's not the raven, it's the dove. It's not the raven, it's the dove and never again. Look at your neighbor and say, no more ravens. Just doves. You see, you and I need to know when it's safe to walk the mountain. Some folks get to the top and they immediately want to step out. But did you know that it is not a good idea to step out until there is the proof of life? So he gets to the top and he sends out the raven. Now here's what I know about ravens. Ravens are scavengers. Ravens search for dead things. Ravens are continuously looking for something to devour, something to feed on. Ravens, we could say, spiritually speaking, are a type of walking in the flesh and walking after the flesh. But Noah did not step out of the ark following the raven. He only stepped out when the dove showed up with the proof of life. And how many of you know your Bible and you've been to classes before? The Holy Spirit or the dove is a type of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. He is a type of the Holy Spirit. And so for us to be led in this year and to be walking in the presence of God, it is very important that we follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit. You see, we've got people walking out too early. Following after the flesh, 
following dead dreams, dead relationships, following the raven instead of the spirit. How many of you know when a relationship is dead, it's dead? And God will show you and you will know in your spirit whether that relationship can be resurrected. And I'm not just talking about in the area of marriage, but there are sometimes in friendships we need to let some things go and let some people go. Now, why is that? Because I've discovered this, that your horizontal relationships can have vertical consequences. In other words, who you hang around with, who you pal with, can impact and really can infect your life. Too many good people. And I'm saying good people. They're following the raven and not the dove. Here's one thing I know about the raven, who is a type of the flesh and also is a type of demons, devils, and evil spirits. Ravens will always point you to your past. But the dove will always point you to your bright future. Ravens will always point and see, say, look what the devil did. But the, de- but the devil say, look what the Lord has done. Amen? Thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. Mm-mm-mm. The raven will point you to the hell you've been through. But the dove will point you to the heaven you're going to. Hallelujah. I'm going up. You going up with me? Let's all go up together. Hallelujah. My raven season, your raven season is over. The season of dead dreams is over with. The season of death is over with. No more ravens in our marriages. Amen? No more ravens in our finances. Shout out me, the raven season is over. So Noah then, he stepped out following the dove. The dove represents life. The dove represents walking in the spirit. That dove, when it showed up with an olive branch in its beak, represents something that's alive and something that is well. I want you to look at verse 11 of this particular verse. Verse 11. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Now, what does a good olive tree produce? It produces oil. How many of you like olive oil? We like olive oil so much, sometimes we just cook with it. And instead of using butter sometimes, I'll just put a bunch of olive oil on a plate and just sop that nice sourdough right in there. Or that nice French bread. Amen. But oil, olive trees produce oil. And what is oil a type of in the Bible? Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a type of the anointing. Oil is a type of the anointing. And so this wonderful dove comes back with an olive branch in its beak. Did you know that the olive tree in the 
Middle East is known as the most resilient tree there is in Israel? The olive tree is known as the flood and storm survivor. It's with great significance that this dove brought back an olive branch in its beak. And the reason why that the olive tree is known as the storm survivor and the blood survivor, uh, the flood survivor, is because its roots are embedded in hard places. Literally, an olive tree can be embedded its roots right in a rock. Olive trees, the anointing, the Holy Spirit is connected to the rock. Come on, somebody. As long as the rock doesn't move, the tree will live. Whoo, glory to God. Noah did not step out when the raven confirmed death. Not till the dove came with the anointing. Not till the dove came with the unction did Noah step out into his brand new world. And I want to say to you today that God's got some great new things for all of us. But we want to make sure that there's an anointing to step out. Don't step out until there's an anointing. Don't step out until there's a leading. Don't step out following the raven. Step out following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Say with me, the Spirit of the Lord. Lord. He brings life. life. So Noah steps out. Wow, what a day that must have been. Cooped up in that chicken coop. And all other kind of coop. And so Noah, and by the way, Noah stepped out with his sons and their wives. And there wasn't an enemy in the ark with them. And both of his sons had wives. The movie depicts that there was some sort of an ancient enemy in the ark with them. And one of the sons didn't have a wife. But what can you expect from Hollywood? Notice we in verse 13. And it came to pass. I love it when it comes to pass. Don't you? I love manifestation. I absolutely love it when manifestation time comes. But I don't wait to get happy until the man from the station comes. I get happy before the man from the station shows up. Amen? See, that's one of the blessings of being a child of God. He's placed faith on the inside of you. Thank you, Lord. And he's given you the ability to rejoice and to thank God while the walls are just staring you in the face. He's given you the the ability to rejoice and to thank God while the flood waters and the storm still beating upon your house. But the Bible says it came to pass. Then in the 601st year, In the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. Let's follow this through verse 14. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. Verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah, and here's what he said. He he knew that Noah would do what he said he would do. Go out of the ark. You and, your, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you, verse 17. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on earth and be fruitful 
and multiply on the earth. Verse 18. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Verse 19. Every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, they went out of the ark. Verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Everyone say this with me. Noah, Noah. built what? Built now you will see in the Bible that any time there were some significant, wonderful things happening, there were altars that were built. And an altar was a place of remembrance so that they could look back and see what the Lord has done. How many of you have some altars in your life? I have some altars in my life. One of the major altars that I have in my life is the place I got saved. Way back in March of 1975. The city that I got saved in is an altar. There are times... I like just going to go back to that city. It's not a very nice city. It's not a city you'd vacation in. It's kind of a strange city, as a matter of fact. Back in the day in the 70s, it was known as the medicated city because there were so many hospitals in there and there was a state hospital there and there were people that were in there for life and there were people that were all messed up. So it was a very medicated, hospitalized city, but that's where I came out of. But thank God I didn't stay in the hospital. And sometimes, you know, I just like to, to drive up to that old, cold state institution. And I like to look up at those buildings. And I like to look at the place and the room that I stayed in. It's no longer a state institution. And I like to look at the place where one night I almost slammed my head up against the wall so I could fall asleep because I was withdrawing from drugs. And I like to go back and I like to say... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just like to say, whoo, thank God I'm out of there. I don't live there. I'm out of there. Because you see, there was a time in my life during that demonic time of treatment that the raven sat on my shoulder and told me to look over at that other place where the lifers were. People that had lost their mind and their mind would never come back. People that were severely, and this is not uh, politically correct for today's terminology, but they were severely retarded. And people that were severely sick mentally and would never get out. And the raven stood on my shoulder and said, you're going to be just like them. They're going to move you out of this unit and they're going to move you into that unit and you'll live with them for the rest of your life but the devil's a liar whatever the raven tells you the opposite is always true whatever the whatever fear the raven puts in your heart the dove puts faith in your heart come on somebody the raven will always point you to fear but the dove will always ignite faith in your heart and so I just like to go back there and I like to look up at that place and say, thank God. Woo, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He's made me glad. And then I like to go into the high school and I like to go into the gymnasium that night where I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's an altar. 
And then I like to drive downtown and I like to go to that little place called Frida's Smorgasbord where I preach my first sermon. And then I like to drive out to the church and I like to go to the Holiday Inn where we begin to sow the Word of God and minister the Word of God. You see, it's an altar to me. And several of you have altars. And so God instructed him to build an altar to him. And here's what Noah did. He took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Noah offered his best. Should we not offer our best to the God who gave us his best? Notice with me in verse 21. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. There will never be another flood like Noah experienced. But there's another flood coming. And that's for another day. It's not a flood that brings destruction. It's a flood that brings blessing. It's not a flood that pushes people down. It's a flood that lifts people up. Glory to God. Now I want you to, I want you to look at this with the NIV. Who will indulge me just for a few more moments this morning? I want you to look at the NIV because I love the way verse 21 says this. This is good. Look at your name and say, this is good. Here's some truth here. Let's read it together. You can help me this morning, please. Ready, read. Everyone say, never again. Everyone say, never again. again. You know, when God says, never again, again. he means never again. Oh, glory to God. Never again, never again, never again, never again. There is a praise in you that was birthed in the midst of a storm that once it comes forth, it has the power to prompt God. To say, never again will you go through what you've been through. You see, praise prompts him. Noah brought a sacrifice of honor to the Lord. And when you praise him, it has the ability to prompt God and say, never again. I believe today... God may be looking at you and your family and saying, never again. You see, praise has the power to remind God what he made us for. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to many of you today, never again. Never again. And I know this is to be true, and it's not a a statement that you can make broadly because it doesn't apply to everyone, but I know that it applies to some people, and I just have the sense that it applies to some of you here today. That is this. Sometimes the size of our praise 
is directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took us out of. You will find oftentimes when people don't experience a lot of things, they have little praise. But oh, thank God if you're saved, if you're healed, if He delivered you, if He turned you around and set your feet on higher ground, then you've got to give God the highest praise. You've got to give Him the highest praise. Glory to God, somebody shout, never again. Say it real fast, never again, never again, never again, never again, never again. Never again will I yield to that. Never again will I have that disease. Never again will I be depressed. Never again will my head be down and be wearing a frown. Never again. Never again shall I be late on my PG&E bill. Come on, you got to get a little sassy where the devil's concerned. you got to give God something to work with. Give Him some praise in your midnight hour. Lift up your voice and shout, Never again! That's it. Never again. Never again. I've been through the flood. I've been through the test. But now I'm on the mountaintop. And on the mountaintop, I'm going to give God my very best. And I can sense the encouragement of the Lord saying to you today, son and daughter, never again will you have to go through what you've been through because I've taken you through the flood and taken you through the test. You're tried and proved and my hand is upon you for good. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes we go through some things just because God tests us. Because he wants to test our obedience. But there's other times we go through things because we've opened up the door to the enemy. And the test comes as a result. But whatever the case may be, how many of you know that we can learn some things even in the midst of a test? We can learn some things even in the midst of a flood. If we don't learn anything else, sometimes we can just learn what not to do. Amen? But I just sense the Spirit of the Lord saying, never again. Never again will you be abused. Never again will you experience the fist of your husband on your chin. Never again. But praise is a prompter. And as you lift up your voice, and as you rejoice in the Lord your God, I believe that there are some things dispatched on your behalf that will prevent some things that you've been through to ever happen again. See, never again will I do drugs. And I don't say that because I'm cocky. And I don't say that arrogant. But I don't stand before you as a recovering addict. I stand before you as a new creation in Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ. Never again. Now listen. Never again will I take another drink. Never again will I shoot another drug. Because our lives and our lifestyle of worship and praise prompts the Father to work on your behalf. Prompts Him. Never again. Never again. Never again. Never again. Never again. Never again. Never again.
If you've been a person that has been, I don't know if this is prophetic or not, it might be pathetic. But if you're a person that has been given to anger, and you have chewed people out, and you've chewed your wife out, or you've chewed your husband out, and you know that the Spirit of God has been dealing with you, and the dove has been working with you, I believe this, that as you shut yourself up in the presence of the Lord, His praise The praise will go up and his presence will come down and he'll strengthen you to never again lift your voice up in anger. Never again. Never again. And those people that are in slavery to to different addictions and different things like pornography and different things like that, I believe that as we are all in, as we sell our lives out completely to Jesus and built an altar of praise and say, you know what? By God's grace, I'll never again look at that stuff. Hallelujah. But a message like this, and and I realize that it's almost time to go, but a message like this requires a response. It really does. It requires a response of commitment, but I believe that it also requires a response of praise. And so I want Pastor Tom to come up, and we're just going to do a little praise before we go home today. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, notice this with me. God says to him, you can all stand to your feet, just stretch, lift up your hands, and just start praising him. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Come on, get a little prayer wheel turning. Get a little praise stirring up here at 1011 this morning. Whoa, glory to God. The size of our praise. It prompts the Father to say, never again. Hallelujah. Maybe you've lost something. And maybe it's because of your own disobedience. Maybe something happened to your house or something happened to your apartment. The door was left open, but praise closes the door. Praise stills the avenger. God says, never again will you lose your house. Never again will you lose your rent. Come on, let's praise Him.